Well, good morning. And here we are together on this Labor Day weekend, this traditional end of summer. A new school year has begun. Next week is the feast day of our patron saint, St. Augustine, and next Sunday is homecoming. Well, wouldn't it be nice if today's gospel was soft and encouraging, <laughs> warm and welcoming, centered around one of our favorite parables, well, the author of Luke's Gospel had no idea that we would be standing on what feels like a dangerous precipice this summer of 2022. He could not have known that we would worry rightly about the very survival of this planet as we <laughs> swelter in the midst of a worldwide drought while others drown in devastating floods or that we would awake each day to see how much closer we are now to a nuclear meltdown in Ukraine, or that we would find ourselves exhausted and overloaded with so much suffering and fear and distrust and meanness. We could use some good news, Jesus. We are here. We are all trying very hard to be your disciples. We're trying to be faithful and to follow you. We could use some comfort, encouragement, and hope. Well, as you heard in today's gospel, in the first sentence, Jesus turns to the crowd and says, whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Hard words. Hard then and hard now. Now we could soften the words and consider them merely as hyperbole. It's an exaggeration to make a point. Jesus is a master teacher and teachers use hyperbole. Jesus uses the hyperbole of hating mother and father to shock us into seeing and thinking in new ways. Well, those of us who like to look stuff up will note that the word hate appears 87 times in the Bible. It almost always has to do with enemies that hate us. Hate appears seven times in Luke, and true to form, six of these times are about others hating us, about our enemies who who threaten or plot against us, from whom we need rescue, help, salvation from God. But the seventh time, we are told to do the hating by Jesus. We are to leave, turn against, choose something else, follow someone else, hate them, make them the enemy. Jesus asks us to hate our parents, siblings, and children, and families. Why? Well, scholars point out that the word hate in scripture tends to function less in an emotional way, as we might use it, and more in a binary way. It's an either or. It's a them or us. It is a choice. It is a side. 
So we can soften today's gospel in two ways. Hate is hyperbole and exaggeration, and hate linguistically means choosing. We are to choose God over everything else. Okay, that's good. Most of us know that. So I don't think softening the words feeds us very much. This section of Luke's gospel is often given the heading, The Cost of Discipleship. Jesus insists we count the cost if we are to be his disciples. And a disciple is first and foremost a learner, a student, who then follows a teacher and teaches others. We are all called to be disciples at our baptism. Why then does Jesus suddenly make such strict commands about who can be his disciple and who cannot? This sounds so counter to his teaching. Well, here's where context is helpful. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem and he's running out of time. He is met by huge crowds who have seen his healings and miracles, have witnessed Jesus' power and authority in his dealings with the Pharisees. They've heard the predictions, they've heard the warnings, and they've seen and felt the promise of freedom and new life. There's energy and enthusiasm in these crowds, and his closest feel it too. So think of your own experiences when you have been part of the enthusiasm of a crowd, say at a protest rally, or maybe the nervous excitement with people before leaving for college, or joining the military, or moving, or maybe just being at a football game. Idealism of that moment, the idealism of the enthusiasm of a crowd can blur the reality to come. And the reality for Jesus and those who follow will be Roman soldiers, a trial, torture, betrayal, and death. Jesus doesn't mince words here. If you follow me, there are consequences. He needs the disciples to prepare, to plan ahead, to understand that what lies ahead is dangerous and will be filled with suffering. He needs them to count the cost, to see if they can commit, if they can finish. And there's no turning back from here on on. They will need to leave family, friends, and safety. They will need to endure and suffer. They will lose everything. He's serious, the stakes are high, and he knows not everyone can do this. He will not love them less. Love is the given. But discipleship at that moment in time, in that place, has conditions and has a very specific cost. And that cost will be his life and probably theirs. So we must remember that that time and place is not our time and place. But counting the cost of discipleship is important in our time, too. What are we willing to give up? And so rather than try to soften the words, we must go deeper with the words we are given, words like hate and cost. 
there's a cost for many of the choices that we make almost every day. The cost of saying no to your child is to suffer their anger. The cost of leadership is often isolation and loneliness. The cost of being a Christian can be ridicule, exclusion, being at odds with the culture, and bearing the burden of understanding that all choices matter, that all choices are to serve the God we love. Most of you have experienced this time and time again, and most of you have experienced the cost of truth-telling, coming out to your family, admitting your addictions, admitting you go to church, speaking up for what is right, saying no, walking away, showing up. Most of you also have considered at some level what it means to try to follow Jesus and wrestling with that every day, how that informs your choices. But most of us also know that we can deceive ourselves about those choices, about who they serve. And so Jesus challenges us to consider who and what we love most, our families, and how we sometimes allow our human love to lead us astray. The son of a teacher I worked with at Brentwood School was arrested for drunk driving just blocks from their home. And the other teenagers in the car, of course, fled into the middle of the night. She got the call in the middle of the night and she came to pick him up at the jail in the morning. They appeared at court a few days later. He pleaded guilty, had his license suspended, and was assigned to report after school twice a week for months to a detention center. Well, when my friends' friends, other moms, heard about it, they were appalled. Why did he plead guilty? You never plead guilty. You call a lawyer. You could have called Sarah. She could have helped you, gotten the case dismissed, cleared his record. This could hurt his college chances, and on and on and on. And she looked at them and said simply, but he was guilty. Jesus' use of the word hate is forcing us to look at a larger picture here. When is loyalty to or fear of family, clan, tribe, political party, religion, when is that holding us hostage, eroding our trust in the love of God and suppressing the truth for our own aims? We see this in the college admission cheating scandals. We see it in the jockeying for preferential treatment. And we see it in the government where loyalty is more important than truth. We see it all the time. So what attachments, what loyalties bind you? Family, income, privilege, reputation, race, class? What should you hate that means give up, change, walk away from, 
choose something else. I learned recently that there's a phrase that apparently a lot of people know, but I had not heard it. It is called the crab bucket syndrome. And it's when we are trying to get out of the bucket of the crowd, collective, society, the family, and another crab or crabs keep trying to pull you back in the bucket. Stay. Be like us. I love that image. I wish I'd found it earlier. There has been a cost for my friend and her son. They have suffered some gossip, lost some friends, had some setbacks, used vacation money for court fees, had to figure out rides to school and back from practice. But their choice, their simple, honest choice, set them free. There is nothing to hide, nothing to defend. There is room for love. Life is clean and clear and moving forward. The final point I'd like to make here is that in Luke's gospel, there is a time stamp, an urgency, and a specific requirement for following Jesus literally to the cross. Our time is different. We are subject to human time and energies. And sometimes we are filled with the power of love and the zeal of discipleship and a commitment to the truth, available, willing to count the cost, and sometimes we struggle with even the little things, and our discipleship is small or wavers. God is not small. God is all. God is in it all. We are not alone. We are invited to hate the limitations of this world, to turn away, to choose life, to choose love, we are invited to trust completely in God's love for us, even when there is a cost, even when we doubt, even when we feel the crabs pulling on our shirt tails. And that is good news. Amen. <laughs>